Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. Welcome to the December 3rd, 2020 edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCBS. I'm your host today, Gay Adelman, and for today's episode, we will be bringing you excerpts from the Board of Education meeting that took place this past Tuesday night, December 1st. We are bringing you this as a work session, um, and as you know, we've had over the past 8 to 12 months, multiple work sessions on um, the student assignment and school choice proposals that we've talked about, and they have been in parts. We wanted to bring you um, where we are right now with the entire plan um, and be clear about what the recommendations, if brought forward to you, um, would be brought. We continue to do work. That does not mean at this point that any vote is uh, imminent. Um, We do wanna know from you, where we are. So you will not see new information tonight. You've seen all of this information uh, probably multiple times. Uh, but we do want to clarify exactly what we would be uh, bringing to you if we do this. We also understand the magnitude of this um, as evidenced by, I think, um, two outlets, two media outlets doing multiple part series on our student assignment plan. We also understand that Um, how impactful this has been on the community of Jefferson County for the past five decades. Um, So there is no doubt about that. We also understand that this proposal impacts um, one district more than most, District 1. Um, And so we are taking all of that into account as we look at this. Um, And I do want to say this, the central component that we have focused on in this is racial equity. Um, Despite you know, some of the other narratives. Um, We have conducted multiple REAPs with a committee on this with a clear lens on racial equity and racial equity for all students in JCPS and exploring which of our specific students are not getting the same opportunities and the same chance for student belonging as others and making recommendations based upon that. Um, And on those REAPs that we conducted multiple times, Um, And what we found right now is our current student assignment plan is a racial equity issue. I will repeat that. Our current student assignment plan, by my beliefs and by our committee through the REAPs that we conducted, is a racial equity issue where many of our Black students are not getting the same choice opportunities as our white students. And so I think it's important that whether we think this is the correct answer or not, that we have to acknowledge that right now, based on our committee's work, that this is a significant racial equity issue in our district right now. I wanna start by thanking our committee members again. This has been the better part of three years. We've done the corrective action plan um, during this whole time. And it really started with the corrective action plan because the original cap had us review student assignment. um, And this is what we have done. We put it together as a result of that corrective action plan. And this committee has worked tirelessly month after month working on these proposals and recommendations to you. And I just wanna take the time to thank each and every one of them for their work. You can see it was such a great group of parents, um, teachers, uh, 
principals, central office staff, community members, business leaders, Urban League. Um, we could go on and on, but thank you to all of these members of this committee. This is phase one of our work, phase one being high school and middle school with a focus on magnets. That's where we clearly started because they have not been reviewed since 1984 with any significant change. Elementary school will be phase two. We will have to be changing our clusters. Um, if you approve this for a couple of reasons, you've already approved the consolidation of six schools into three elementary schools. And your our proposal tonight will have us adding uh, mirror magnets. So we will have to, we will have to adjust the clusters without a doubt. And during this time, we have begun looking at problems um, in our cluster system with elementaries. Uh, board member Brady brought up one of those that has been identified um, over enrollment in cluster eight, but there are many others that we consider once again to be racial equity issues that we need to address um, as a committee and bring to you as a board. And so tonight I wanna bring you what once again, these school choice proposals are um, and get your feedback. I wanna reiterate, this does not mean at this point that a vote is imminent. Um, we will take direction and feedback from you. We can still make changes to this. This is not a final document. Once again, this is a draft and we are happy to make adjustments or changes if need be and continue to sell it to the community because we know this is a, a very important and impactful issue to the community as I have talked to so many people, hundreds of people um, and community members about this, these school choice proposals. I want to remind you of the guiding principles that you approved early on in the process. There are no particular order. The five guiding principles in our student assignment plan are equity, access, ease of understanding, diversity, and choice. And once again, those are in no particular order. I do want to highlight what the committee found was that these principles are all difficult to accomplish together. Because if, for example, issues many times like diversity and choice um, can bang heads with each other, so to speak. Um, and so sometimes it's difficult to allow full choice for everyone and ensure diversity at the same time. We think we are bringing proposals, especially with the magnet proposal that will increase diversity in areas that need it most. But there is no doubt that we have found through this committee's work, we have problems with equity with our current student assignment plan. We have problems with access with our current student assignment plan. We have problems with ease of understanding with our current student assignment plan. There are problems with diversity, but specifically that's more, um, in the elementary one that we will be addressing, but we definitely have a, uh, a problem with choice as a principle for all students. But I did wanna remind you of those. So as we looked at this, these were the challenges that we identified right away. And I've shared these with you and I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time, middle and high school choice. We know every single student in Jefferson County with the exception of those in our predominantly district one zone have choice to go to a school close to home. If a student in those West Louisville resides, those satellite zones is not accepted into a magnet, they have no choice and they cannot access a school close to their home. And I wanna repeat this, every other child in Jefferson County has that opportunity to do that with the exception of students in predominantly West Louisville. Through our study and our committee study, we found that the small disconnected zones were a problem. 
um, to the point where we don't know how those were drawn. Um, and we have some real concerns about how certain schools got certain patterns uh, 36 years ago, and they haven't changed in 36 years. And more concerning than any of that was the fact that we found 50 different feeder patterns. And when we get into our elementary school, you will find thousands of different feeder patterns between elementary, middle, and high. We should always, as a large district, have more feeder patterns. But if a student lives in, in J-Town area right now, and they, their reside school is Carithers Middle School, they have the opportunity to go to J-Town High School. And right now, our West End students do not have that opportunity. A student who goes to Carithers may have to go to Fairdale High School. And so those 50 different feeder patterns are extremely problematic for student belonging. I can't say that enough. And provides barriers to family engagement, after school activities, athletics. And we have heard from many families that it's attendance problems for students when they miss the bus. And we have to know and admit that we have an attendance crisis in our entire community and really our nation. But we have to do everything we can to mitigate those attendance challenges. And so, you know, we will bring to you a dual resides option um, when you are ready. And we have felt that you are ready for approval. Um, we will bring a dual resides option, which first and foremost, even if we set aside the dual resides option, the map that you are looking at is significant improvement over what was drawn in 1984 because there is larger blocks um, that many are contiguous, that are community-based, and that are aligned with their middle school. So those same kids that I said go to Carithers uh, Middle School, you can see they all get to go to Jefferson Town High School if they choose to do that. A child who goes to Camera Middle School, all of them get to go to Ballard. A child who goes to Crosby, they all go to Eastern. Right now, the Crosby block has six different high schools that those students are block chopped up into. And so without the dual resides, this is significant improvement for student belonging. But also all of these students get a second option. They get an option close to home. So they can still access the same option they have now, or they can access a close to home option, which would be high school right now, the Academy at Shawnee. We're proud of the direction they are moving and the new West End Middle School. Guaranteed choice at either school. You know this will be a phased in approach. Uh, with a very intentional support plan that will have these two schools um, as our, our reside schools, the highest funded per pupil schools uh, in JCPS, these two schools. And so benefits, all students have two options where many of them have really had zero option for 36 years. These families will now have two school options. They'll have options to stay with their peers those schools can now align with each other to provide the same type of programming to support kids. Would have opportunity to participate in after-school activities and athletics if they choose to stay close to home or go far away. Um, improved attendance and sense of belonging, family engagement, and I think an ease of understanding for families to choose. So we're not now having to explain to a family that you're going to Ramsey Middle School at Billtown Road in the Gene Snyder, and you must go to Doss High School uh, for high school. Um, and instead, if that family were to choose to go to Ramsey, they would now get to go to Fern Creek. And I think that is a definite benefit for our families, specifically in West Louisville. 
And so the recommendation will result in, so when we bring you a recommendation, just so they're clear, the recommendation would result in new boundaries for middle and high schools that overlay each other, which was a mistake that was made in 1984 that they did not draw the middle school and the high school boundaries together. This approval, this recommendation will bring you the new boundaries for middle and high school. And you would be approving two choices for, living, for students living in that study area, predominantly West Louisville, for middle and for high school. That would be the recommendation to you. Then I would like to highlight the challenges for our magnet and optional choices. And so, you know, many of these date back to actually right after Brown versus Board of Education and some of the optional choices we provide. And so it has been far past time for us to first of all, first of all codify all of this in policy and procedure. So we have it clearly in policy and procedure and not just practice of the district. But right now what we have is limited access in some of our magnets for students of color and specifically for schools in certain neighborhoods to serve that specific neighborhood. Limited seats for engaging programs. I've talked about Lincoln Elementary, how some 400 applications were denied and we have the opportunity uh, to mirror those. We have inconsistent quality across magnets and programs. Difficult to navigate the admission process. Families are confused about it. We don't have the centralized lottery, so there's not real transparency and clarity of where someone is in the lottery system. And we have talked about many times, removal of students by school through school-initiated exits. And what that has done, um, we have had more black students removed school-initiated-wise than white students. And so we have had to say that, let's look at this, and just like any other school, when a student is accepted into that school, they become a member of that school community. The parent can exit them, but the school should not be able to exit them. And so as we move forward, um, you know, the recommendation, we've talked about these, they are pretty clear, and I want to repeat what I said a couple of weeks back, that these have been replicated many times in several audits not just one, several audits from our people and from external organizations. But first of all, to establish a centralized lottery, to end school-initiated student exits, uh, to set diversity targets and goals for all of our schools so that we see diversity in our magnets and options. We replicate our popular magnets. We add new interest-based magnets where kids and families, we have more that are raising their hand and say, I wanna be in a school for a specific reason that helps student belonging and shift open enrollment. We're gonna eliminate open enrollment, which was a mechanism developed shortly after Brown versus Board of Education, long overdue to be eliminated in this district, should have been eliminated many years ago. The only other way to switch schools then would be through the transfer process. So benefits quickly, increased transparency, much better ease of understanding, uh, decision-making about leaving a school stays with the families, we have diversity data to create goals and action plans for our magnet schools and programs to meet our diversity needs. So your recommendation will result in a lottery facilitated by central office, the office of school choice for our magnet programs. Those that have always, those that are lottery are new schools and those that have been in lottery will stay lottery, but it will be run and facilitated by the central office. Um, schools having one list that will be provided by the district and Office of School Choice maintaining wait lists for lottery schools so we can be very transparent 
about where families are on the wait list when it comes to lotteries. Your recommendation will result in an end of school initiated exits. Uh, magnet schools programs and optional programs will not be able to exit students from the program. Families will be able to choose to leave a magnet program, uh, but it will be their choice and the Office of School Choice monitoring family initiated exits to ensure that it's not truly a school initiated exit. We will set diversity targets and goals. So your recommendation will result in the Office of School Choice working with magnet schools programs and op optional programs to set unique diversity goals so that our schools are more diverse. Offer Office of School Choice assisting schools and providing supports and working towards those diversity goals and making sure that schools are making progress towards those diversity goals. We're going to recommend, replicate popular magnets and new interest-based magnets. So your recommendation will result in the Office of School Choice pursuing the replication of popular magnets through the Magnet School Assistance Program. And I wanna say these, all of these recommendations are a part of what the Magnet Schools of America would say are best practice when it comes to magnets in large school districts. We're long overdue to implement these things as many reports have shown. And should we receive the grant, we should know soon, you'll be brought a plan for next steps. And the Office of School Choice is gonna be creating that multi-year plan for the introduction and implementation of the replicated magnets and the new interest-based magnets. Our new elementary music school, a recommendation will result in the Office of School Choice pursuing that music immersion magnet theme, um, resulting in recommendation to you about facilities programming and resourcing at a, at a future board meeting to be fully implemented for the school, 20, school year 2022-2023. We will be saying to shift the open enrollment to the transfer, so eliminating open enrollment as an option on the magnet application and refer families to the transfer process, streamlining that choice process at the high school level to improve ease of understanding and aligning them at all three levels. So those would be the recommendation, the proposed timeline that we've talked about, you know, 2020, 2021, this would be the rest of this school year. You would approve our proposal whenever that we feel that's the right time to bring it to you. We end school initiated magnet exits this year. We begin setting magnet diversity targets and goals this year. We begin the magnet centralized lottery this year. And we have that Magnet Schools of America 2020 grant application. We get word on that. During next school year, we would offer dual resides to all of those that would apply that that applies for in the study area, predominantly West Louisville, that would be offered to begin the 2022-23 school year. And we would begin the process of replicating those popular magnets and bringing recommendations to you during the 2021-22 school year. 22-23, we would continue that process and begin working to open those magnets and begin our first year of dual resides with sixth and ninth graders 2324 is when we really want to have those magnets, new interest-based magnets up with, with school going in it. And finally, this is not new, but I do want to talk about this because I think it is so important that we commit to support our new schools better than we have ever done before. And this document outlines it. And my goal will be, once we clear um, probably the Supreme Court with our revenue plan, that this support plan would extend to all of our AIS schools. But for right now, this guarantee would be once you approve it, would be for our the academy at Shawnee 
and our new middle school. And I wanna say this, when we bring you the uh, student assignment plan on that same board meeting, once again, we are still committed to bringing you a brand new school, a middle school in West Louisville. And so as I've told you, these will be in both schools, new and expanded career pathways. The Academy at Shawnee will be the best um, academies of Louisville school with the middle school aligned with it. So significant opportunities for post-secondary, for apprenticeships, for cert certifications, and for college credit hours. Um, we are looking at um, increasing the health sciences so that we would have nursing pathways at the Academy at Shawnee, manufacturing pathways growing and continuing like robotics, and continuing to expand on our current pathways. Expanded post-secondary learning opportunities. We talk about the University of Louisville and being partners. Both schools will be smaller class size, 24 to one. Um, so we will see small class size in both of these schools. One-to-one -one technology. All students in both schools will have a device and internet access for when uh, they are not at school. And we believe that will be a game changer for these students. We know more inclusive curriculum offerings um, that will be dedicated to both schools. We want both schools to open three to four weeks in the summertime where we pay teachers to open school, provide engaging learning opportunities for our students and also uh, support in reading and math with great extracurricular activities, increased support for uh, music, art, and uh, extracurricular activities like athletics. As I told you before, both of these schools will have expanded mental health services, uh, a minimum of 200 to one for mental health, 200 students for every mental health professional and for every counselor. Positive behavior interventions and restorative practices school-wide with strong whole child support in both schools. We want added days for professional learning and that extended learning. And with staff incentives, um, we will see these teachers making up to an additional $15,000 a year at these schools, um, which will improve um, that uh, teacher staying at the school year after year, and also having the strong Louisville teacher residency program in the school. So it will be um, really that hotbed of where we develop our teachers and bring them into the school. Strengthen our partnerships with each school and develop that new University of Louisville post-secondary partnership. I was asked today in a meeting whether we could expand that to other post-secondary institutions and we are open to that. We know the UofL is signing on and what we want is a child to walk out of Shawnee High School uh, with multiple college credit hours and a certification. We will have goals that we will bring to you that will include increased proficiency rates for students attending schools, decreased chronic absence rates, an increased sense of belonging, which our students, our black students right now are behind our white students. We, our goal will be 100% transition readiness rate at the Academy at Shawnee. And we believe we can do that and increased teacher retention rate at both schools. And as I told you before, an estimated first year expenditures that we will be investing in West Louisville will be $91.765 million. We are already investing that 43.5 in the Academy at Shawnee in the um, renovation of that facility. Our estimate for a new middle school, um, although some people seem to not understand the cost of a new middle school as we build it on the other side of town, um, you can see right in line, a new cost for a middle school in West Louisville is $42.5 million. So our cost at Echo Trail in the East End, I believe is actually right at that same number, 
if not lower than that. So just wanted to uh, make sure that I highlighted the cost of a new West End Middle School. We would be committed to investing every single dollar that we invest in an East End uh, Middle School as well. And then those yearly improvements that we know um, are going to have that um, the improvement at the high school and the middle schools. Um, that is addition on top of the additional funding they would re be receiving next year as we differentiate our funding formula. So they would get more funding plus all of these, and this would make these the two highest funding uh, per student at any of our JCPS schools, other than our high need schools that serve uh, special needs children like Churchill Park. And so the proposed timeline on this, 2020-2021, uh, we're going to this year expand those high school supports. So we are already bringing these, gonna bring these into the Academy at Shawnee. Those renovations go over, are going on right now, very exciting. Uh, we hope to have those done next summer. Um, we have the middle school, new middle school for West End. You approve that on our facilities plan already. So we need to bring that approval to you and purchase a middle school site. So we are ahead of the game and we are ready to do that. We are looking, actively looking at this time. Um, we have, uh, there hasn't been any, anything at this point that we're ready to bring to you. But when this board is ready to approve the student assignment plan, we will bring the approval of that new middle school with it. Um, we will expand our high school supports in 21-22. So next year, the Academy at Shawnee is going to have those high school supports and we're gonna plan those support services for the middle schools. 22-23 would be the first year of implementation for dual resides. We would have a temporary location for sixth grade that we would bring you next year. We're gonna monitor our progress and implement those support services at the middle school, continue to monitor high school, begin as early as possible that middle school construction so that we can adjust and monitor our supports and open up that brand new middle school as soon as possible. So I think the investment is West in West Louisville is long overdue. And this is the type of supports that our kids in these schools absolutely deserve. And the final piece of this is really how we will report to you because I know that there are um, those that are hesitant um, because of promises made in the past, whether that be JCPS or outside JCPS um, that have not been brought to fruition. And that is specifically true for West Louisville. So we understand um, and respect that that trust level is not high. So what we wanna do first of all is be very clear that we will, um, have our uh, formative process on an ongoing basis to bring you student outcomes in a formative way and how we are supporting that. And that will be a regular report to this board. And then we will have a yearly summative process, which will be a formal evaluation of the plan and two parts of that plan. Number one, did we, did we come through with everything we promised so that you will get a report one year from an internal review team and every other year from an external team that will say to the board, did we provide what we say we were gonna provide in supports to these schools? And number two, are we making progress with student outcomes? Those will be that you will get a yearly report and a summative process and we will be proud to bring that to you to show you that we will do exactly as we said we do in support of our students. And I do believe this, that when fully implemented, our families in West Louisville specifically will have a challenge 
And that challenge will be, we have two great options, two great options in schools and struggle with which choice to make, where to send their child. And that's what our goal is, uh, that the fam, not that we would have neighborhood schools, not that students should stay close to home, but the families have a choice. Every family in West Louisville owns that choice and says, I would either like to send my child to the school close to home or continue what we're doing with a much better aligned system um, for the pathway through schools, much better transparency and clarity with much more diversity in our magnet schools. And I'm proud of the work that we have done here. We will continue to adjust this um, and work with this and sell this because we know um, that this is a challenge for our entire community, that our community has really wrestled with student assignment for the better part of 70 years. But I do believe it is, it is time to end this racial equity issue and ensure that all students in our district have choice in where they go to school. So what we would bring you would be to approve two amended board policies. We wanna make sure you'll see those policies. We'll approve the new middle and high school boundaries with the dual resides. We'll have you review six new procedures that will be aligned with policy and you will direct staff to organize the implementation of that West Louisville support plan. So we will have that in writing for you so that you are directing us to do that as a board. And obviously I would uh, believe that my evaluation um, and uh, obviously the staff's evaluation, my team would be dependent upon us implementing in full this support plan and seeing progress as we move forward. Um, and we will now have clear policies and procedures in place around student assignment. And I believe this would be a major step forward for us. But once again, we are um, interested in your feedback or questions that you may have. And I appreciate you giving me a little bit of an extended time to walk through the whole presentation. You are listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Today's episode features excerpts from... Last Tuesday night's work session, where the board was presented with the student assignment plan proposed changes, and we now continue with the question and answer uh, series of that work session. Thank you for joining us. Ms. Duncan. Yes, I have, I have uh, several questions. You know, it's so hard. Once we've had these, these, these early meetings, it, it, it was hard to get fully into this until we started to be able to um, see the final presentation here. So I, I do have some questions that have developed. One thing I wanna know is how is it, our, how we are going to not allow our diversity goals at Shawnee to limit access to the students who live at Shawnee or live around Shawnee? Um, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I'm not sure I followed the question. Um, well, I'm just asking, how are we going to make sure that our diversity goals and our diversity targets don't limit the access of students who live around Shawnee to be able to attend Shawnee or the new middle school? So with your, your approval, every student in that study zone, that would be a resides school for that student, um, which I also want to say, um, you know, is not just exclusively black students. So we have to acknowledge that there are um, significant numbers of white students as well in that study area. So, you know, I want to, to say that and acknowledge that. And I believe we will still see diversity in, in schools. 
And I believe this, I believe we will have students applying to those schools because of the supports we are providing. Um, and I believe we will see diversity in both the middle school and in the high school. All right. And just briefly, one, one other thing, um, the lottery, the schools, I'm a little confused about why schools that have, have centrally had their kids assigned to them then would be looked at if their diversity guidelines uh, or if, if that index or, or whatever we're using there gets out of whack, whose responsibility is that? I mean, it looks like to me the, the lottery happens at central office and then it, that the kids are sent to the school. Um, but it's sounding like, well, it's gonna fall back on the school to come up with a plan when they didn't have the plan, they didn't have that, that ability to choose those students in the first place. So uh, I'm curious about how we're going to uh, uh, hold schools accountable for uh, staying within those guidelines when in, in the schools that are lottery-based schools where central office has, has sent students to them. Absolutely. So with our diversity targets and goals, Ms. Duncan, it would be a collaborative approach with the school. And so it would be very individualized. So when you're speaking of lottery, it could be that their applicant pool may need to have some um, intentional efforts on recruitment. That could be something that our office could assist with to address diversity targets and goals. It could be looking at the boundary of the school that could impact the diversity targets and goals. So this is really looking at an individualized approach for the school to be able to provide that collaborative assistance. Thank you, Ms. Duncan. Dr. Shul? I am curious um, about the diversity targets um, and, and goals. We know from data that uh, children uh, fare better in educational spaces when there is not only racial diversity in the classrooms, but also economic diversity. How uh, will this process ensure that uh, these schools are fully diverse, both racially and economically? Um, so first and foremost, our plan is to diversify the magnet. So having more kids from free and reduced lunch and um, our minority students going to our magnet schools. But you are correct. I mean, I don't know um, the challenge of ensuring that we allow choice and we allow uh, all students to go close to home um, makes it so that right now, as we know in some of our elementary school clusters, that there is 95% free and reduced lunch in those clusters. And that's something we're gonna have to address, but that exists right now um, in our school district. Because what we are doing right now for most of our children in West Louisville is shipping them or busing them to Title I schools. So schools that are 90% free and reduced lunch, not all of them, but the only high schools we have that are not Title I are Eastern, Ballard, and Atherton that have a resides. So every other one of those blocks right now is currently going to a Title I school that has 70 or 80 or 90% free or reduced lunch. So I don't think we are even doing that right now because our magnets are very low in that way. And most of our middle and high schools are title one and very high in that way. I think the answer, and I believe this thoroughly, is to pour resources into the school, um, which I'm proud of the vote you took 
um, in order to ensure that we have $12 million of our new revenue that will go to our highest need schools. And secondly, that we will have a new funding formula um, to address it as well so that we will pour resources into those schools. And I believe that to be the answer. Um, we are at a point like most urban school districts are with a challenge of how you balance out a, a um, population that is nearly 70% free and reduced lunch. So I would say that for each individual school or program, we would need to do a root cause analysis to see why their applicants are within their building don't meet our district averages and then take up an approach on how we can work together and collaborate to address that. And I will say to speak to the data that the school would be receiving, they would not only be receiving racial data for white or non-white or whatever that would look like, but they would also receive our information on our diversity categories one, two, and three. So it would give us an opportunity to look at both. And with our categories, we're gonna be looking at income, percent non-white and educational attainment. So that's included in our categories now. So they would be receiving both sets of data. Okay. And if I could add to that, Dr. Shul, I just want to give an example of how we need to improve. And I'll use the elementary. This is the elementary application to magnets. Um, we see free and reduced lunch families applying for elementary school at a later date than our non-free and reduced lunch students. And so what that means many times is this, the seats are already selected by time one of those free and reduced lunch families or one of those diversity areas we are looking at applied and then they don't have access to a magnet. And so we think, you know, we value magnets, we value what they bring to it, but we want to ensure all of our students have equal access. So for our role, we're going to have to ensure that we get all of our families that information early and get them a part of the process and applying early so there isn't that difference in when they apply. Okay. And if I can add really quick, it's really important what Dr. Polio said because the district cannot assign on the basis of race. And so we have right. to do the preemptive work of building that applicant pool, like he said. And I think I just wanted to add that um, I want everyone to know most major school districts are wrestling with student assignment in one way or another and wrestling with this issue in itself. We heard that clearly from our consultants. They gave us examples of other cities. But this is one thing I'm going to have to stress and reiterate. Um, if we want to increase diversity in all schools with our housing patterns, we're going to have to reduce choice and not just for West End families. We're going to have to reduce choice for all families. And that's that is the difficult choice between choice and diversity. Um, you know, and, and that's something we would have to wrestle with. That's been wrestled with us in a community for 50 years is who gets choice, who doesn't. Um, and, and right now, since 84, it has only been really those West End families who haven't had that choice. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we are able to accomplish um, both racial and economic diversity in our classrooms and, and, off, and, and genuinely give people a choice. I um, applied for middle school for my son the other day and um they, it gave me a place for it supposedly gave me a place for two to apply for two schools 
Uh, but when I put the second school in, the response was that um, my application would not be reviewed because I put a school in the second place, uh, which I, I then understood the emails and letters that I've received from irate parents who have felt like I only have two choices and I ranked them in the way that I wanted them to, but, but you're really just giving me one uh, option. It's either that or uh, I'll have to go to the reside school. So um, I, I do hope we can tweak that and, and develop, um, develop you know, something that is suitable and, and really authentically gives a choice for all students in JCPS. Thank you. Thank you. If I understand correctly, Dr. Polio, you're saying that the funding for, for schools will not start until 2022, is that correct? Uh, no, ma'am. So there will be two different ones. So what we provided you for Shawnee, the Academy at Shawnee would be the only one that is open next August because the middle school would not be open yet. So that support plan would go to the Academy at Shawnee starting in August. Um, so they would get all of that funding that, that we have noted for Shawnee starting next year. The middle school one would start uh, as soon as we open the middle school, the sixth grade. Um, the, the funding I'm talking about is the base allocation, which would also bring more funding. That would not, the change in the, the allocation to school would start in 2022 if that makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, that leads to my next question. As we talk about uh, this happening for our incoming sixth grade class, what are we gonna do with the fifth graders that will be going into the sixth grade class as it pertains to, to academics uh, for preparing them for the sixth grade? I, I, with the elementary student assignment plan, there may not be a change. And the, my concern is the academics of students that we will be scheduling to go into a school, are we really being fair academically to the students? Could someone answer that, please? Yes, ma'am, I'm happy to answer that. So there is no doubt that is a part of this process of the future state, um, that when you, when you gave us the authority to, for $12 million for resourcing high poverty schools, um, you know that a majority of those schools will be elementary schools that will be getting this same support plan. Um, you know, that we'll be getting the additional funding um, and how we do our new allocations in order to support the kids. Um, as we move into this year, this coming year, we are going to bring you a contract soon for a company that is going to bring us uh, multiple data points on students that have, um, that when we finish and come back and get right back into school, lost the most through NTI. And we are going to have 10 to, we have to have 10 to 20,000 kids with additional learning over the summer. And so, yes, there's a short-term plan to ensure kids get what they need. And then there's got to be a long-term plan that we say is building up the elementary schools as well as that middle school. And I think, well, I know with our additional revenue, we will be able to provide more resources than we ever have before to those elementary schools that have struggled. Will the building up of the elementary school start in what year will, will that start? Um, we are starting some of the process now, but as soon as we get uh, clear from um, any appeal on our additional revenue, it would begin immediately. Okay, uh, thank you. These, um, I wanted to also uh, speak 
as Dr. Schultz spoke about the um, high numbers of free and reduced lunch in the district that I represent. And as we talk about uh, creating an opportunity for students and we, I keep hearing this word and I keep getting this word called segregating. Uh, are we going back to segregation? And I think we have to be clear that we say we're not going back to segregation by race, maybe. But how will we deal with segregation by income and free and reduced lunch? Would you tell me what the plan is to deal with that in District 1 when we know currently the number of free and reduced lunch elementary schools, the high, high numbers as high as 99 in West Louisville? Could you, could you speak to how we will not have segregation based on the economics, which is counter-tacking on to the question that Dr. Shul asked? Uh, yes, ma'am, and I'll repeat a little bit. I mean, it might be some a little repetitious, but I will um, say this, um, that right now, I don't think we have a lot of um, diversity when it comes to free and reduced lunch and, and not free and reduced lunch in our schools, unfortunately. Um, we have it a little bit in a few schools, but unfortunately, the vast majority of our schools are Title I schools, meaning above 70% free and reduced lunch, and many in the 80s and even up to 90s. So I don't think we're accomplishing that right now. Um, but I think my belief is, once again, I think we, we are going to have to resource them better than we've ever resourced them before, or we are going to have to take away choice for other students. Um, and I think that has to be something that we decide if we're going you know, we either add choice to students in West Louisville or we take away choice from students in other areas of town. I don't know if there's another way to ensure that um, with our current housing pattern that once again, I think as a city, we have to address our housing pattern problems as well. Um, so I, I think it's either resource them fully or we eliminate choice from, for some students um, and move in that direction in order to achieve more diversity, because I don't think we, we have that right now. I agree with you. I don't think we have it either. And I think we have to be honest with, about that. For, to not be honest about it is, is not acknowledging what is. And it's not gonna change quickly, but if there is a plan written within this plan that talks about how we're going to work toward that, that would make more sense to uh, residents and community members that are looking at the plan because to, to not acknowledge that it's there. And I hear everything that you're saying that it's not gonna go away overnight, but I don't think we are really acknowledging that fairly when we talk about uh, what we're going to do. So that, that's, that's a comment that I have gotten also. Um, and would you speak again to the diversity goals by using the centralized lottery. If the centralized lottery, does that look like the lottery that we use for the traditional schools where there is a list of students and you start at the top and you work down to the bottom, correct? Yes, ma'am. And it's divided into the one, two, and three. You know, once again, since I believe 2008, we have not been allowed to use solely race um, as a decision-making factor. And that's when the district moved to the three categories, one, two, three, which I'll have Cassie or Amanda correct me, I believe um, there is a lottery list for each of those areas. Is that correct, Amanda? Yes, yes, there is. There is a list K 
category one, category two, and category three, and we follow that list one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and we're wanting that to be housed centrally to provide that list and to increase transparency and ease of understanding for families. You mentioned uh, that we have the potential to get a grant that will help us with the magnets and that uh, Cassie has been working very hard to get that grant, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so what happens if we don't get the grant? Will you give the money, will you fund that so we can move forward? Because everything that we're doing needs to happen. I don't think we can start Xing out anything at this point. So will we find a way to provide the funding uh, moving forward, grant money or no grant money? Is that possible? Yes, ma'am. We are uh, fully, uh, we couldn't use the grant money for facilities, things of that nature. Um, so obviously it helps with training and professional development and some equipment, um, those type of things um, for our, so um, we think we have a good shot at it and it will be very important, but the success of this is not contingent on the grant alone. Okay, when, when do we know whether we have gotten it? We were supposed to know in August, but Cassie, do you have an update? So we are waiting for Congress to pass a budget. And so when we get to that point, um, we have heard from Magnet Schools of America that you, the U.S. Ed is ready to um, provide the awards. They're just waiting for that budget. And the last question I have for, for this evening is as we talk about what we're going to do for um, our students and our parents, how do parents know what their opportunities are when, they, when we put this on the table? If I'm a parent and I have a child in a certain school, how do I know what my options are as it pertains to the opportunity that is there? Because one of the things that we have consistently been told is I didn't know I could apply for that. I didn't know I could do that. So how do we know? And as Dr. Polio, you talk about the schools in West Louisville, uh, the elementary schools that would have the opportunity to go to grade six. But then when I asked you at one point, you said, I said Englehart and you said yes. And you said McFerrin, yes. And so those are not West Louisville. So are we gonna provide a list that tells parents if they go to a certain school that they have these opportunities? How do we make this clear? Cause it's not clear now. And I'm getting that a lot. People don't understand who can and who cannot. Yeah, so you're right. And I think our task force said we have to do a better job of being uh, providing information and getting out to families their choice. And I want to add, Ms. Porter, I can't stress enough how we have to do a better job on the timing of the application. And so often what happens, as I said, families that are free and reduced lunch um, oftentimes might apply at a later date when the seats have already been taken at our magnet schools. And so not only is it about getting the information out, it's about making sure that we get all families applications in early enough that they have access to magnet schools as well. Um, Dr. Chris. Thank you. Um, have we thought about just saying in magnets, especially, you know, we're gonna reserve a certain number of seats for kids from, you know, uh, in, let's just call it at-risk category, I, I forget especially if lower income households are usually later to the application process, you know, we could go out and say, we've got X number of seats available, you know, at this school, this school, this school, 
um, you know, you should really think about applying, uh, your chances of getting in are, are pretty good. Um, because when it, when it comes to, um, for me personally, when it comes to, um, equity and diversity versus maybe depriving some folks that look like me of a little bit of choice, I'm for equity and diversity every time. So, um, have we thought about, you know, reserving X number of seats for kids in those categories? Well, I think, you know, our goal here is without a doubt that if we do the lottery system and get the applications, then a third of the, the acceptance would be um, students from the highest need um, sectors uh, that are identified. Um, but I know there are some cities that do that have explored reserve seats. Um, you know, we have not brought that to you, but we could look at that option. Cassie, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, yes, like Dr. Polio said, there are several examples. Um, a notable one is San Antonio that looks at uh, reserving seats for certain zip codes or certain areas. And so there's a lot of different creative ways to do that. And we can definitely research it further. So what is the, you know, is the is the challenge the applicant pool? Because if we go, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three down the list, you know, then that would be seems to be unless I'm missing something, you know, you'd end up with a third of, of students from every category. So is, is it the applicant pool that's the issue? It depends. Um, for example, our traditional programs, historically, those boundaries have looked the same. And so if you look across the district, the way that cuts along, you know, the district lines, there are some uh, schools that have a quite high um, category three number of students and very few category ones. And so the impact of the boundaries themselves could very well lend themselves to a difference in applicant pool, even based on, you know, a lottery system. Have we thought about um, just eliminating boundaries for magnet programs altogether? I mean, that would, you know, certainly take care of that issue. I mean, many magnet programs, of course, pull from the entire county as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I understand why, you know, it would make more sense, uh, from a certain perspective, if you have two traditional, you know, middle schools, for example, uh, or however many, you know, for them to be allocated in certain parts of the county. But, um, but given what we've talked about with the residential segregation of our, our community, you know, that's when you create a boundary geographically, you're, you're almost certainly going to create you know, um, uh, a segregated or add to the segregation of those schools that cover different geographic territories. So um, have we thought about just getting rid of uh, boundary zones for, for magnets? Well, I think, um, you know, when you have one type of magnet, then you can, it's, it's when you replicate magnets that it becomes difficult. So uh, I'll use this, I won't shy away from it. There's been a long talk about uh, male and butler not having a boundary. And so what that means is kids, all the middle school kids, no matter where they live, choose, they get the choice of either male or butler. Um, and so a significant number of more students are picking male than butler, um, even to the point where we have kids that live in the neighborhood close to butler and they are picking male. And what that means is obviously it's a stretch on our uh, transportation as well when you're transporting to schools 
that are offering the same programming. Um, so it's just, that makes it difficult at the high school level. It's made it very difficult. Um, so I would just worry about those that want traditional, if they get the choice of five different traditional elementary schools. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I understand that. It seems like that's something that could be mitigated um, with some effort, of course, but that could be mitigated by the centralized application process, you know, where, you know, we would have the ability to balance those different factors, you know, close to home, diversity, equity, transportation, um, you know, that, that'd be a pretty complex equation, uh, of course, but, um, but it, you know, that, that's something that, that could, that could help with that. I just, we get to areas and you've identified some of them where, you know, we're, invariably we're probably, we probably are going to face trade-offs. Um, and, you know, in fact, I think that's something that a lot of folks that, you know, are being a little bit critical of what we're discussing or not, not understanding the, the, the trade-offs and negatives that already exist in the student assignment plan and um, not counting those on the balance sheet. So, um, so I'll, I'll leave it, I'll leave it there for now, but that's, you know, just so you know where I'm coming from, that's going to be the, um, you know, priority for me when I evaluate um, the choices that were presented are, you know, does it provide um, kids that face barriers access to the in-demand schools and programs? And does it uh, help to um, increase the diversity or balance the, the diversity in all our schools and programs? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Um, thank you everyone for answering so many questions and giving us uh, more information that we're able to share with those that are asking us questions. So I appreciate that a lot for the, from the whole team. Uh, I, I realize the extent of the work and thank you very much for the time that you are spending with it. Dr. Polio, do you have anything to wrap up before I call for the vote, please? I'll just say once again, we'll take your feedback. Uh, we'll look at uh, the, the whole plan and continue to, to talk about it and then work towards bringing you a recommendation. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I've been your host, Gay Adelman. These have been excerpts from the Tuesday night work session that took place uh, for the Jefferson County Board of Education. And we are following up with the district on this information. So if you have questions or concerns that you want to make sure uh, get addressed, you may email them to us at moderator at dearjcps.com. That's M-O-D-E-R-A-T-O-R at dearjcps.com. And thank you for joining us. Have a great day.